as we gather as God's people, as brothers and sisters, to worship him together. Please stand and join us as we sing his praises together. That is not the correct slide. <laughs> Are we in the wrong service, maybe? <laughs> One moment, folks. <laughs> that looks like the beginning of the 11 o'clock service. Boom, okay. <laughs> That's the one. All right, let's worship the Lord together. In my wrestling, in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, you are the peace in my troubled sea.
trustworthy and faithful and you are present with us here today. We pray that you will make us aware every moment of your presence, speaking into our lives, changing us, transforming us into the image of your Son and all that we were created to be in Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. It's great to see you as we gather for worship today. Take a moment, uh, share a word of greeting, introduce yourself to someone here in worship this morning.
So as you may have noted, uh, the bulletin contains a whole lot of inserts, and uh, this is the time when things are starting up new, uh, particularly here at the church. There are uh, it's an insert about Wednesday night uh, children's clubs, and if you would like to uh, be a part of ministering to our children, we'd love to have you do that. It's a great way of uh, sharing your faith, nurturing the faith of our children, and uh, you see information about that. Uh, you also see information, small groups begin next week. We'd love to have you be a part of a small group, and we're starting some new groups. There's sign-up sheets in the back, as well as in the Christian Education Building foyer. You see information here about the groups, and feel free to ask uh, any of us uh, about more, uh, if you have questions about the groups. And uh, also, uh, today is the beginning of Sunday School that starts the next hour, uh, most of the classes, and you see a list of those as well, a variety of adult classes, and there are classes for children uh, all through ages and grades, and uh, pretty much all of that takes place in the Christian Education Building behind us, a few adult classes downstairs, and again, ask uh, any of the uh, ushers or staff, and we'll be glad to help you as uh, find your, your place afterwards. Uh, one of the, we start starting a new class in the 11 o'clock hour that uh, is uh, that Don and Jeannie Little are going to be uh, leading. And they're just going to share a quick moment about this class and uh, the, the purpose of it and their designs of it. Good morning. So we were just introduced. Um, we are excited to announce a new Sunday school class during the 11 o'clock worship service called Connection. We hope to help foster connections between college students and other members of the church community. And we want to help deepen our connection with God. Perhaps this class would be a good option for you if you can't participate in a class in the normal hour at 940. We're seeking to serve students, but students repeatedly tell us that what they want from church is connection with other adults in the church. So please consider if you can fit in this Sunday school class at 11 o'clock. Um, so what will this Sunday school class be like, uh, or, or what will this gathering be? I like the word gathering more than a class, uh, because I, I'd like to see, we would like to see it as more a place where we experience God together, um, and we, we develop relationships with one another. Um, Don and I have long had an interest in questions around how do we deepen our intimacy with God? How do we hear God's voice? Uh, how do we make that long journey from what we know about God to how we experience God? So these are questions that we've uh, been exploring our own journey with God, and we would really like to invite you to um, join us on that. Yes, and we, we see ourselves as on this journey uh, with these kinds of questions, and we'd love to welcome others to participate in the same journey together. So we are meeting in the big classroom just below the sanctuary, um, the Good Shepherd room. But it's all set up. You can go to the community room first and grab something hot to drink and then come on down and join us. So we're going to launch this Sunday, and it would be lovely to see some of you join us. Thanks. There are a couple of other things that I wanted to bring to your attention. First of all, if you are... Uh, if you are new to the, the church community, we have a, a welcome bag for you, whether you're a student or you live in the area, surrounding areas. If you're, if you're relatively new to the church community, we have in the lower foyer, we have a bag of things for you, some information about the church as well as some other things for you. So uh, just make sure you head down to the lower foyer. We want to give those to you after the service this morning. And uh, we love having uh, guests here. We want you to know that uh, we love having you and to uh, welcome you to uh, this uh, our church worship time. Also, this is the beginning Christian Life Emphasis Week, which is a, a, a yearly event that we host with the college. And uh, this year, as you, if you had a chance to look in the bulletin, A.J. Swoboda is our uh, speaker. He'll be speaking this morning. And uh, you see the schedule of activities. Everything else will take place uh, on the campus tonight at 7 and uh, chapel times, 11.05, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, Monday night, we'll be meeting in the uh, coffee shop in the 
basement of the Njaba, the basement of the campus center, and uh, then Tuesday night back in the chapel. So you see the schedule there in the bulletin, and we are excited to have uh, A.J., his wife Quinn, their son Elliot here with us. He uh, is the author of a number of books. He's brought a couple with him. Uh, I've had the, uh, the privilege of reading uh, one of them, excellent reading, as I've been mentioned to you the last few weeks. His books are very insightful, and uh, you actually can, can purchase those here this morning if you'd like in the lower uh, foyer. They're $12 a piece, and they'll also be on sale up in the, in the foyer of the camp of the uh, chapel uh, before and after the gatherings up there. Uh, and also, the other thing that we're doing this morning, this is uh, the time we're collecting uh, our refugee jars. If you weren't around in May, on May 8th, we uh, started this, uh, this project of connecting us with uh, refugees. And uh, we, uh, our goal was... Uh, we put together a booklet that the goal was every week, once a week, to gather whatever our family unit might be by ourselves or with some other people and uh, read through the, uh, the uh, scripture, read through some thoughts about refugees, uh, prayer, and then to give one dollar into one of the jars. And so uh, we have some baskets here in the front. We have some baskets in the back. And so as you, if you haven't yet, as you leave today, uh, you can just dump your uh, funds into that if you have them. But make sure that you then take your jar with you and make sure you pick up a new booklet. We have a new booklet for the next three months that will take us through the first Sunday of December. And uh, we want you to take those with you. And if you know somebody maybe who's not here and would like one, grab one for them. Uh, the booklet's here and also on the table in the back. And if you didn't participate before, if you don't have a jar but you, love, you want to participate, we have a number of extra jars. Just feel free to grab one of those and a booklet and join the journey. And this is for anyone. You may want to decide that as uh, you know, roommates you want to do this or your apartment or your uh, dorm floor, whatever you want to do. Uh, we just love to have you involved. I was just reading this morning that uh, the European Union is saying they are basically filling up their ability to take refugees into the European countries, which means there are 65 million displaced people and no place for them to go. And uh, so we are... Uh, our collection today is going to World Relief uh, that does a lot of ministry to refugees and also a new work that the Wesleyan Church is starting uh, in Europe, working with refugees, helping them resettle, getting them connected to the church. And uh, so the, all the money that we collect uh, today, and if you didn't bring your jar today, you can bring it next Sunday or drop it off at the church office. But we just really want to continue to have on our minds that people that uh, really when we read scripture are most vulnerable, some of the most vulnerable people in the world. And this is one way that we can connect and let God work in our hearts for them. So thank you in advance for uh, being a part of this uh, important ministry. I'd like to invite our ushers forward as we continue in worship by giving back to God from all that he has given to each of us.
As we spend a few moments praying together, if you would like to come and use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, I invite you to join me. Sometimes uh, as we pray to God, sometimes the, uh, the posture that we take expresses our hearts. And if kneeling or sitting here in one of the front chairs is the posture that you would like to use as you pray today, please come and join me. Father, we thank you for Christ, for the transformation of this world and our lives through him. We declare that uh, we've decided to follow Jesus. And yet we know that life brings so many struggles and burdens and difficulties that um, tempt us to make other decisions. This morning we come acknowledging our need for you and acknowledging that you are good and you hear our prayers. We know that our world is so often characterized by pain and turmoil and violence and death and we pray, Father, for for so many people in this world who do not have the basic necessities of life and we think especially of the, the millions of refugees in this world who from no fault of their own, have been forced from their homes in order to find safer places. We recognize that often the places that that the refugees run to are dangerous and difficult and struggle, and they just want to go home. We pray that you administer your grace to them. We pray for all the organizations that are working with refugees, trying to ease their suffering, trying to bring the gospel to them. And we ask, Father, that you will bless the, the small gifts that we brought today, that they will, they will in, enable, be a means of you working. And we pray that you will multiply what we bring to do miraculous things. Continue to work in our hearts as we continue to think about refugees and continue to pray for them and engage with them, that our hearts toward them would be like yours. We pray, Father, for the, uh, our brothers and sisters around the world who face opposition for their faith. We think today especially of Asia Bibi in Pakistan, who is um, on the verge of... Uh, of facing execution because of her faith. We pray, Father, that this court appearance in, in October would relieve that pressure, that you would give her encouragement and the support of the church there and around the world. And for the other Christians in Pakistan, we pray for your grace upon them, protection. Lord, we pray for those who serve you in various places of the world, including here around us. We pray for Steve and Ruth Strand as they work in Buffalo and many of them working much among refugees. We pray your grace in their ministry and strength and outpouring of your spirit on them. And we pray for the, the Seldons as they move to a new area of ministry. Continue to bless their family. And Lord, we think of the ministry of the churches around us. And today we pray for the First Day Baptist Church in Richburg and Pastor Larry Allen. Pour out your spirit upon this congregation. May they know your grace upon them, that they would bear witness of your love to each other and to their community and beyond. Father, we, we pray for the, the schools, the academic institutions around us. As the college and the academy have begun, we pray your blessing upon them. We pray for our public schools who will begin this week. For, for faculty and staff and students, may this be a, an awesome year of learning. And, and we pray for the witness of your people in public schools, that uh, they will be, uh, there will be your presence there and that you will work miraculously. And we pray your blessing upon the schools around us here and for all involved in them. 
And Lord, we pray for the needs of our community and beyond. We pray for those who are grieving, and we think today especially of Jill Tyson's family, and we pray for Bill Getty and his family at the death of his brother this week. We pray for your healing grace and comforting presence on them. And we pray for all who are struggling with health concerns, for Willis Beardsley and Doris Asepian, for Blanche Weaver and Tammy Dunmire and Luke Heisinger and Wade Marsh, for Sheldon Emerson and Doug Bogdan, for Barb Rangel and Bob Jobert and Laurel Buecher, for Bill Getty and Warren and Ella Woolsey and Phil Muker and Mike Raybuck, for Bev Rett and Micah Christensen, for Linda Roth and Dick Gould and Emily Cricklar, and for others who are in need. May your grace be upon them. Father, we pray for this week of special gatherings as we engage in this spiritual life emphasis week. Pray for A.J. as he shares your word this morning and tonight and throughout these days. May he be a vessel that your spirit speaks through to us and give us hearts that are open to you that we might mark these next few days as a, as a transformational moment for us personally and corporately. Be glorified to engage us in a way that beyond what we could have dreamed or imagined. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to us and your world. Thank you for hearing our prayers today. We offer all of them in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Mark, chapter 2. Verses 13 through 17. I'd like to invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. And following the scripture reading, children may be dismissed for children's church and for junior church. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me. Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners who were, were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Who, oh Lord, could save themselves? Their own soul could our shame was deeper than the sea. Your grace is deeper still. You, O oh Lord, have made a way. The great divide you.
be seated. Well, good morning. My name is AJ. I uh, am privileged to be here. I want to thank uh, Pastor Odin, uh, to the team here. I want to particularly thank uh, Pastor John, the youth pastor, who uh, was kind enough to pick my wife and my five-year-old son up at the Buffalo <clears throat> train station at 1.30 in the morning uh, last night. Um, wonderful conversation and drive, and I, I think I was awake for part of the conversation, so... Um, I had a great uh, conversation with him, and we showed up uh, very late uh, last evening. Uh, I live in uh, the great land of Portlandia, uh, Oregon. Um, my family and I live uh, kind of in the urban core of Portland. I pastor a church uh, in the kind of center of uh, the weirdest town in America, um, Portland, and pastor a church called Theophilus. And I'm, I'm really privileged to be able to be with you over the course of the next few days. Um, This morning, I want to take a few minutes and reflect with you on the power of uh, Jesus inviting us, uh, come uh, and follow. Uh, I I wasn't raised in the church. Uh, In fact, I kind of grew up in a a non-Christian home. My uh, family, uh, my dad is a doctor, my mom is a nurse. I was raised in kind of this... kind of post-Christian family. I was raised in, uh, in Oregon. I was uh, kind of lived there my entire life. My, um, my upbringing, though, was anything but religious. We were nominally Catholic. I um, remember on occasion uh, going to uh, Mass with my mother. My favorite part was snack in the middle of the service. Uh, and I find out later that you're not supposed to take the snack unless you're Catholic, but that's a different story. Um, but that sort of was my religious upbringing. And when I was 16 years old, kind of going through a, a very tumultuous season of life when my parents had been divorced, and I kind of really was undergoing some big changes in my own life. Um, I was sitting in my math class in high school, my geometry math class. And I overheard the two young 16-year-old sophomores behind me arguing about when Jesus was coming back. They had been reading a book called the Left Behind series. (laughs) And I sat there and listened to them argue about which Russian dictator was going to initiate the end times and why I distinctly remember one of them saying we should never get a credit card because it has the mark of the beast on it. That was my introduction to Christianity. I, of course, uh, had heard about Jesus. I had uh, thought about Jesus, but never sort of on a, on a deep heart level. I'd never really taken seriously the accounts of Jesus, particularly in the Bible. And so I went home. I remember that particular day after class, and I <clears throat> had this copy of the Bible that my father had given to me. And I sat in my bedroom, and I did that thing that you do when you don't know what to read in the Bible. I said, God, I, I really... I'm going to open this. Speak to me. And I did the the flippy open thing. And I opened up and read my Bible for the very first time. And I sat there at 16 years old and read the entire book of Leviticus. (laughs) And was really creeped out. Actually, to be honest with you. Um... And I quickly sort of closed my Bible and I said, well, I'm going to give it one more, one more chance. And I opened it back up. And this was what I read sitting at 16 years old in my math, in my, my bedroom. Once again, Jesus went out beside a lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. And he walked along. He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, Matthew, the tax collector, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus said. Matthew got up. And he followed Jesus. I sat there and I read that story. And I I, I really, friends, I don't know, have have really any language to describe what happened in my own heart, my mind. Um, Those words, follow me, come follow me, were tattooed, as it were, on my heart. A week later, I was in my little... Uh, Mazda, red Mazda pickup truck to go play basketball at the YMCA. 
And I sensed Jesus saying to me, AJ, come follow. I pulled my car over and I cried and I became a Christian. And I wasn't listening to K-Love or anything. I mean, this was like (laughs) out of the blue, weird, random. And I've been following Jesus the last 19 years of my life. And I can tell you with all confidence that following Jesus has completely destroyed my life. And I say the word destroyed very intentionally. There's a form of Christianity going around that I think is heretical. That says something like this. Follow Jesus and your life is improved. And as I read the story of Jesus, Jesus had nothing to say about life improvement. Jesus did not come to improve our old life. Jesus actually came to end our old life and give us a brand new one. Jesus did not come to improve an old dead life. He came to see that dead life dead and resurrect a new life. And so if you're looking to follow Jesus as sort of a a way to improve your life, I, I would encourage you to find another religion. Because ultimately Jesus came that we would die and begin to live in him. That the old would go, the new would come. It's a lot easier not following somebody who says you have to love your neighbor. It's a lot easier not having to pray for your enemies. It's a lot easier not having to care for the poor. But when you follow this guy, you have to start doing those things. For the next few minutes, I just want to talk about a few of the things that have destroyed my life. And I hope destroy yours too. When you follow Jesus, you find this to be the case. Jesus is constantly inviting himself over for dinner. Um, There's a sort of part of this text. I'm I'm shocked some of you didn't laugh when I read it. It's it's got a normal rhythm to it, as many of the gospel stories do, where Jesus calls somebody. He says to Matthew, sitting in his tax collector booth, come and follow me. Matthew leaves behind his tax collector's booth. He stands up, begins to follow Jesus. And then all of a sudden, that's verse 14, between 14 and 15, there's this very awkward transition. Many of the commentaries note this transition, have no sort of idea how to deal with it. Uh, Because Jesus says, come follow me. And then all of a sudden, in verse 15, the next verse, they're eating in Matthew's house. Now, I may be playing a little bit with the text here, but I actually think this is the heart of Jesus, and I think this is what Jesus did. I think Jesus said to Matthew, come follow me. Matthew gets off of a tax collection booth. He comes and follows Jesus. He's like, great, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm on your team. And somewhere along the way, we don't know where it is, between the lake, somewhere in the woods, we don't know. But they're walking along the way. And then all of a sudden, they're walking. And Jesus turns to Matthew and he says, you got any food? <laughs> and Matthew's like, I guess so. Good. Come on, come on over. And every person in this room who knows a college student knows what a college student does. Uh, college students are great at inviting themselves over for dinner. Uh, they have no conscience whatsoever. They just sort of show up on your door and they're like, I'm here. I have been eating top ramen for two years. Can I please eat some food? Jesus, Jesus was a homeless carpenter. And I, I think Jesus is like every college student I've ever known. I teach at a number of universities, and I know college students. I think Jesus is always going to keep inviting himself over for dinner. And you go, well, that's not biblical, how Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't stand there and invite himself in. Read the end of the Bible. Jesus himself says to the church in Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. Anybody who lets me in and eat, eat with them, I'll dine with them. This is Bible 101. Jesus is like every college student you've ever known. He invites himself over. And a lot of us, particularly introverts, are very disturbed by that. Because you know we love personal space. <laughs> 
We'll schedule things. You come over when we ask you to. Jesus, I'll let you come in Sundays between 9, 8.20 and 9.20. You can come in then. But the minute I get in that car, bucko, you're gone. We love giving Jesus parts of our life, don't we? To say, Jesus, you can come over in these hours, you can come over here. But there's no, absolutely no record of any occasion in which Jesus ever lives by the etiquette books that we have written for him. Jesus does not care about our personal bubbles. Jesus invites himself in. And that's so fundamentally important because, friends, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, maybe you didn't get this memo. But if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, nothing in your life is yours anymore. Nothing. Your entire life is now his. Certainly we can come to him and say, Jesus, I'll give you parts of my life. You can have this, you can have that, but not really these parts of my life. You can talk to me about, listen, I'll stop cussing, I'll go to church, that's fine. I might even serve in the kids' ministry every once in a while. But don't you dare ask me for my money. And don't you dare talk to me about who I'm sleeping with. And don't you dare talk to me about sexuality. But Jesus isn't into that. Jesus is not interested in parts of our life. He wants all of us. He wants the whole thing. Have you noticed how many times in the Gospels? Jesus, who by the way, is God. Jesus, Jesus wasn't just a good dude. This was God. Jesus was there when they invented water. He He invented Saturn. Not bad. Have you ever noticed, friends, that this omniscient, omnipresent, all the omnis, this, this Jesus, who can do all things, is all things, invented all things, he is above all time, he's transcendent, this God who can do anything. Have you noticed how many times in the Gospels he borrows stuff? <laughs> That's not a funny theological point. Jesus is all, the omniscient, omnipresent God is always borrowing donkeys and boats and money and time and little kids' foods that he breaks up and feeds people. (laughs) Friends, this is, you, you may be laughing. This is Bible 101. Why in the world would the omniscient present God who invented Saturn and water be borrowing our stuff? You want to know why? Because Jesus knows if he can get to our stuff, He can get to us. And for some of us, friends, we want Jesus to come in. You're you're invited in, Jesus. But the last thing I want to have to do is make you dinner. And for some of us, you're wondering, why am I struggling to connect with Jesus? Why am I struggling to connect at church? Why am I struggling to connect with faith? But the last time you wrote a tithe check was in the Ronald Reagan administration. Or the last time you supported a missionary was five years ago. The last time you gave some food to the poor. I think, I want to tell you this morning. I flew from Portland to tell you this. Your stuff isn't your stuff. The older I get, this scares me to death. 35 years old. The more stuff I own, the more it begins to own me. And friends, being a Christian means I don't hold on to my stuff. I don't hold on to my dinner table. I don't hold on to my food with closed fists. I live like this. What do you want, Jesus? Sure, you want to invite yourself over for dinner? I'll make you whatever you need. Jesus is always inviting himself over into our, into our lives. And I want to point out as well that not only is Jesus sort of breaking into our personal bubbles, inviting us to live more self-giving generously. Secondly, whenever Jesus does come over, he's always bringing people that you won't like. Always, every time. Do you notice here that Jesus, first of all, gets in trouble for who he's hanging out with? Matthew 
It, the text tells us that the Pharisees, the religious folks, look at Jesus and his disciples and say, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus is always getting in trouble for the people he's eating with. In fact, my friend Len Sweet, who's a, a theologian, says that is the definition of the gospel. The gospel is Jesus eats really, really, really good food with really, really bad people. That's the whole gospel. The whole gospel is just a really good God eating with really bad people. That's the good news. Amen? Do you believe it? Amen. Jesus is getting in trouble with who he's eating with. But not only is Jesus getting in trouble with who he's eating with, you find out that Jesus actually starts inviting people that in the normal world, friends, are going to completely hate each other. Now, Jesus calls a guy named Matthew the tax collector here. Let me illustrate. Why does the Bible say the tax collector? What an unfortunate last name. Why the tax collector? Why in the world is a Bible? Why do we remember this poor guy as a tax collector? That would be if you work for the IRS, like John, the IRS guy. Like, oh, how unfortunate is that? Matthew, the tax collector. Why in the world is that so important? Well, Matthew worked for the government. He was, he was a big government guy. He was uh, certainly, I mean, he was feeding off of uh, uh, the, 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 the taxed funds of, of the people uh, around him. I, I, I guess you could say, in a sense, Matthew was... A Democrat. Hold on. Hold on. Before you leave the church. <laughs> he was a big government guy. He was. He lived. I mean, this was his job. Now, you think about Matthew, the tax collector. Jesus says, come follow me. Don't just think about him, friends. You've got to think about the other disciples that Jesus chose to come follow him. Do you find it interesting that Jesus said to Matthew, the tax collector, and then another guy, Simon the Zealot, come and follow me. Now, Simon the Zealot, let me illustrate who this guy is. The Zealot. Again, unfortunate last name. Do you know what that meant? He was anti-government guy. Couldn't stand the government. He wanted Rome to fall. He, he wanted no government. I mean, he was like Mr. Puritan. He just wanted nothing. Just, he was a libertarian. <laughs> or a Tea Party guy. Okay. Now, do you find it interesting that Jesus says to two people of such fundamentally different political opinions, and he comes to both of them and he says, hey, come follow me. It's as if Jesus is saying, hey, your politics, they're really cute. Can you follow me? Friends, as I travel our country and preach in churches and colleges, the church of Jesus has to be reminded that we are not one because we agree on a politic or because we agree on a politician. We are one because we've been forged by the cross of Jesus Christ. And friends, do you know what that means? Here's what, I, here's what that means. If you're a Hillary Trump, if you're a Hillary Trump, if you're a Hillary Clinton fan, I mean this. I'm going to pray that God gives you a Trump supporter to be your friend. If you're a Trump supporter, I'm going to pray that God gives you a Hillary Clinton fan for you to have to love do you know why? Because Jesus is always bringing people over that you can't stand. Because in doing so, he's teaching you what he's all about. Do you think Jesus saves you because he likes you and your politics? No, Jesus saves you because he loves you. This is one of the most freeing ideas in Christianity. You've never been invited to like your neighbor. You've been invited to love them. Anne Lamont says this. You know that you have created God in your own image when God hates everybody that you hate. And if you're going to be a Christian, friends, you're going to find this very quickly. He's going to start bringing people over that you can't stand. You may be sitting next to them right now. And you're going, gosh, is this the right church for me? There are people here I don't like. And friends, if you go to a church where everybody's there that you like, that's not a church, that's a cult. This is the church of Jesus. And this is made by the blood of Christ. 
I want to close with this. You know, we always, I love the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah is this story of <clears throat> this missionary who God sends to Nineveh. And Jonah goes and he goes and he preaches. Do you, do you realize, <clears throat> friends, how effective that missionary journey was? It says the whole city of Nineveh repented. It says, the text says that even the cows repented. Effective. <laughs> effective. That's good church growth there when cows are getting saved. Yes, Lord. We baptize them. Friends, we always love Jonah, but we never read Jonah 4, the last chapter in Jonah, do we? Because in Jonah 4, Jonah sits under a tree and he says, God, why did you ever let me be born? God, why am I even alive? Why in the world did Jonah sit under a tree after such an effective missionary trip? Here's why. Because Jonah could not stand the fact that God loved his enemies. And he says to God, Jonah was a racist. And he sits under a tree and he says, God, I can't even believe, I can't believe that you love them. And friends, I, may I provoke you this morning in the name of Jesus. May I provoke you to stop sitting under your tree and wonder why God loves all of your enemies and be reminded that you were loved when you were an enemy. And that is why you love others around you. Love others as Christ has loved you, friends. This God, you name one other God that turns enemies into children. You are an enemy of God. And God has made you his kid. So if you're a Trump supporter, friends, go love a Hillary fan. If you're voting for Hillary, go for, love a Trump fan. Friends, if you're not voting at all, go find somebody who's voting and love them. <laughs> but I tell you this, friends. In the name of Jesus, this place, these people, these names, these bodies, this church is forged by the love of Jesus and nothing else. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for the word of God. I would pray that you would continue to invite yourself over for dinner. And I pray, God, that as you come, you would bring people that we can't stand. So that when we love them, God, a little snippet of the kind of love that you gave us would be extended to others. God, thank you for this morning. The fact we're alive as a gift. Would you teach us? Would you grow us? And would you make us more and more into the likeness of Christ as we love the world around us? In the name of Jesus. Church, would you say amen? Through.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace.